What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 36. I got the great, my favorite misogynist on Twitter, (laughs) the Drew Hancock. How you doing, man? I am pretty good. Thanks for inviting me on. Of course, of course. Um, Have you seen any people 12 shots in? Have you removed any people from any parks, uh, doxed anybody, anything like that recently? Uh, I did see someone 12 shots in and I did my due diligence and I took advantage of them. Um, I did see a homeless person at the park and, you know, I called the police. I think they sent out a SWAT team. There may have been a dog shot. You know, that just is how it is. Oh, so Um, they got the ATF in on it too. uh, Well, I may have said that, you know, it was just like a homeless guy. Like he looked pretty destitute, but um, which they don't take serious enough. So I may have said that he had a gun in the park. Um, So, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. And then uh, doxing, I haven't doxed anyone yet but i'm just waiting probably for the right target yeah yeah if they um make a joke talking about punching women then it it's okay to uh dox them and you know kind of where it goes from there is just wherever it goes the liberty twitter i started my twitter back in like 2009 just to follow like some musical artists and i was off of it for a few years and then i got back into it for like a month and I got off again. And then I just got back on when I started this podcast back in October. And I have to say, if you want to like ruin your day or lose faith in the Liberty movement, go on Twitter for like a day and and just refresh it a few times. You'll, uh, you'll end up hating your life and, uh, thinking that we're all going to die like tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the thing with all the drama and stuff, uh, that's a thing everywhere. So like in the chiefs, kingdom like all the chiefs fans back in the day the chiefs have been a good team for a very long time but on internet forums like there was this website i used to use called arrowhead pride the best part of that website was the comment sections because people are hilarious but also like every single post on that website would have a 200 comment argument about alex smith and whether or not alex smith is a good enough quarterback to win a super bowl so like people talk about the libertarian infighting and stuff and drama. I think that it's just an internet thing. Like it's happens everywhere. Like right now the chiefs are the best team in the NFL and there's still constant arguments and fighting over stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's about a football team that none of us have any control over. And meanwhile, all these libertarians think that what they're doing is the most important thing that's ever happened. So I think that it's obvious that, or that it makes sense why things would get heated. But I mean, like, I try to stay out of it. So like the uh, Kevin Hobby stuff, I haven't said a fucking word about that. And I'm not going to. Um, I did kind of say that doxing is wrong. And whenever people were accusing people that I like of stuff that they didn't do without any evidence, I did kind of say like, hey, let's present evidence if you're going to do that. But for the most part, I stayed completely the fuck out of it. And I try to do that now. Like, I don't want to fucking join in it. And anyone's drama, like the homeless stuff, I just shit posted the entire time about it. 
Uh, but yeah, it's all just stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I literally see libertarians arguing with each other about like a libertarian will say, "Oh, I got vaccinated, but I'm completely against mandates." And, you know, I don't care if anybody else gets vaccinated. And there were people like growing this dude about getting vaccinated. It's like, who cares? Like, we're talking about vaccine passports. Um, There's an article about um, that I have pulled up, actually, about Dr. Fauci saying, oh, I think that if airlines recommend that everybody gets vaccinated, then it's going to be good because we need to encourage more people to get vaccinated. Um, When we have shit like that going on, you're really concerned about whether or not somebody got vaccinated. Like you don't see like the big picture here. Like I, I, we could argue vaccine efficacy and all that shit all day, but at the end of the day, who benefits when we're arguing that really nobody. (laughs) And if somebody already took the vaccine, who gives a shit, (laughs) you know, what are you going to do? Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, I care about people who want to enforce it on me. Like if you are some, like uh, libertarians want gay marriage to be legal. Like right now it is legalized would say like it wasn't. Uh, and say you're a gay person and, you know, I want gay marriage to be legal, but I'm not gay. Like, uh, I would still hope that the gay person would see me as an ally because I want them to be able to marry, even if myself specifically, I'm not, you know, a gay person. Uh, and likewise, same thing, like I'm unvaccinated. I'm not going to get the vaccine. Like I'm a 21 year old. I never get sick and I'm totally healthy. Uh, but meanwhile, if, you know, someone has to get it to keep their job or whatever, and they make that decision and they say, hey, like, this is just what I got to do, then I don't really care if uh, they do that, like, as long as they don't want to force me to do it. Right. I agree completely. And it, it, like I said, it literally blew my mind that are people, that there are people out there who will literally take time out of their day to, like, argue about this. Like, I, I try to stay busy. And it, it seems like, you also have a lot of other things going on in your life like we're not just focused on libertarianism where that's literally all we have and all we do some of these people who are doing stuff like that i feel like they have nothing better to do and if politics is like the only thing you live for you know okay so let's say let's get to ancapistan now what <laughs> now now, yeah. now what's you know now now what are you gonna do are you just gonna sit here and scream in the corner because it's not ancapistan enough like if we want to grow this liberty movement i truly believe that we need as many interesting libertarians as possible and people that you know people want to actually like be around and talk to and learn from if you're just the dude over there screaming in the corner reading rothbard you, you, I don't think you're really going to convince that many people other than people who are already kind of inclined in your direction anyways. Yeah, I completely, yeah, I 100% agree. So I am a big fan of Eric July. I'm, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of his band, but uh, <laughs> um, what he's doing, like he's just a metal musician and that's what he does. And he brings people to a libertarianism by that, just by being a talented person. Uh, you look at Michael Malice, like Michael Malice is absolutely huge and uh, part of that is because he talks about politics part of it is just because he's funny and people can tell that like hey this is a smart guy and he's very interesting um dave smith like he's on legion of skanks and he people find out about him through legion of skanks and they find out about his political views Mm -hmm. um and i mean yeah i went an entire month without talking about politics at all on twitter for one point just because i got burned out of it and now i'm kind of back to doing politics but i mean i try to talk about other stuff too uh there's a really good movie i saw 
called Megamind. I don't know if it's good or not, but I watched this like 10 years ago whenever it came out, whenever I was a child. And it's basically about a supervillain who finally like defeats the superhero and he takes over and he doesn't really know what to do after. And uh, yeah, I think that if your whole thing is like libertarianism and then you get suspended from Twitter or like whatever, you decide like, hey, I'm, I get kicked out of the libertarian party or something, you need to have more going on in your life than just the political stuff. Like, and I mean, I get it like that the uh, libertarianism is super important and all of that stuff, but no matter what it is, I don't think that you want one thing to just be your whole life. Like you need to have other interests and other things to do. And um, whenever I talk about politics with people in person, like I rarely do, but like uh, whenever I worked um, at a bank, whenever I was younger, uh, I would never talk about my political views, but I established myself. People were like, okay, Drew's a smart kid and all of this sort of stuff. And people would, would ask me what I think about stuff. And then they would ask me first and I had already established like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm a good worker. I'm a smart person. And then they would take the things that I said uh, with higher respect than they would have if I had just immediately walked in and said, hey guys, I don't think the government should exist. And uh, I think that there is a certain thing, but I mean, fringe ideologies attract fringe people. So like you have to be like kind of off the beaten path of a normal person to consider ideas as radical as libertarianism, which it's still a pretty radical philosophy. So, I mean, part of it, I think will just get better in time, but it certainly is a problem. Yeah. And, you know, there definitely is something to the fact that you can't just barge in the room and tell everybody they're wrong and that your way is the only way to do it. Um, you do have to kind of build up capital with people. So, and I've kind of scratched my head at this recently. Um, libertarians typically do do more outreach to like politically right-wing people and i understand that but i don't think it has to be mutually exclusive um we should try to pull from every direction that we can but how we do that is in my mind you need to build up capital with these people you need to build relationships with them so that way they trust you and they can then kind of invest in you right so once you kind of establish this friendship, this relationship, then you can start kind of having these debates. And I mean, I've gone out to lunch with people who are like completely politically opposite from you, like democratic socialists. And we'll talk for hours about stuff. And you know, it's funny, it never gets heated. We have a good time. We sit there, we drink our Manhattans or whatever. We enjoy a steak and then, you know, we go home and we're like, all right, well, we're looking forward to doing it again. But, you know, that's, I think more libertarians should try and do that. You know, don't just talk to, like-minded people don't live in an echo chamber try reaching out to other people because not only is it going to make your ideology better and how you think about things better but maybe you might convert a person or two by kind of arguing out these you know sometimes controversial topics and twitter is not a good space for that and it really does seem to bring out the worst in people just because you have this small amount of space to just shoot off a hot take whenever you feel like it and you see people get ratioed and sometimes you want to join in there but then you sit down with like this person that you may have started a ratio and you'll find like you agree with this person on a lot of stuff and you know you guys get along really really well but twitter sometimes just does not make for a good medium <laughs> yeah, and i mean sometimes like i'll send out tweets knowing like this is going to piss a lot of people off so like the tweet i sent out about showering earlier today i'm like this is going to trigger some people and it's just funny to watch like how riled up people get over stupid stuff. Um, so, I mean, that's just something that I- Well, you know what you said, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, 
you're assuming libertarian shower there were a lot there were a decent number of people in those replies telling me about how showering is actually bad for you because it strips your body of essential oils and stuff like that so like we got people saying that reply so i basically just said that if you shower in the evening instead of in the morning you're a degenerate um which i mean of course like that's not serious but if you took that serious and like continue to take it serious you're a degenerate um so like there were people replying with yeah i shower in the morning or people replying with i shower at night you're a you know bad person or whatever um i shower twice a day and people saying i never shower like you know it's silly stuff like that that uh, like i said i'm not upset that i got ratioed like that was the intention yeah. like i'm gonna get myself ratioed it's just funny to do sometimes and like you read my twitter you know that you know i'm kind of crazy with like the stuff that i do uh <laughs> but people like libertarians will let stupid things like showering or eggnog or like candy corn completely divide them like i'll send out a tweet about how i think nickelback is better than system of a down which you know take that take for what you will but uh, there will be people with who agree with me on 99% of politics who will like unfollow me over a take like that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I guess, we, I guess those are your priorities then, but it's just stupid. Like, Well, you know, to be fair, I guess uh, Nickelback's probably a little bit more capitalist than system of a down. So, but yeah. system of a down might be anti-war. So, you know, like you said, take it, uh, take it how you will. I'll be honest. Since I, I still haven't listened to a full album, but since I sent that tweet, I heard the song Aerials and I thought that was pretty good. So I'll say that. Yeah, no, I actually, um, I don't like them very much, but I do like that song in particular. Um, I think the first song I ever heard by them, my God, this is showing my age here, but uh, back when Halo 2 was huge, people used to do like these Halo 2 montages. And I think Question was the song that was on there. And I think that's where I first heard them. And then my dad got me, um that one cd that looks like the hollywood sign for christmas yeah. god god that makes me feel so fucking old yeah it's it's ridiculous uh, but it, i've been kind of battling this recently and i'm curious your thoughts as well the gop versus lp kind of deal and i've had both kind of people on i mean i've had Tho bishop taylor shiring um, Eric Brakey on Adam Nutter, a um, bunch of other Mises caucus guys, uh, Shane Hazel, Josh Smith. Um, I've been kind of battling with this recently because it seems like the Libertarian Party infighting is pretty great. And even beyond like just Internet or Twitter stuff, um, I'm in Pennsylvania, right? So I don't know if you know what happened in the LPPA convention, but it was it was a whole clusterfuck and they didn't do anything that was like illegal per se, but it was kind of like shitty to do. Um, I see this stuff over the last two years, ever since I got more involved. And sometimes I'm like, man, what, what are we going to do? You know, is the cause for Liberty really lost or should we just sack up and say we're Republicans who like guns and weed more than, uh, you know, Donald Trump, <laughs> not, you know, obviously I'm being a little hyperbolic, but you see what I mean and you yeah. get my question. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's just infighting, I don't think that the GOP is really any better. Like you look at what they did to Ron Paul in the 2011, 2012 um, in the Iowa, like they screwed him out of Iowa. Like he won Iowa 
and they I don't remember the exact specifics of it like I was a kid but I have yeah. heard this secondhand so if I'm just spouting nonsense and someone call me out in the comments but what I have heard is that he had Iowa they basically cheated him out of it but even besides that like you look at Fox News hated him like they would always ignore him they would show a leaderboard and it's like Mitt Romney Rick Santorum yeah. and then they would not mention Ron Paul and oh Michelle Bachman like they would skip over him they would never even acknowledge that he existed so like it's still bad in the GOP too, if it's just infighting, but I see merits to really both. Like, I think it's really just a matter so of I, yeah. preference. So like the LP, like with the Mises caucus, they want to win local elections and all that stuff. I think that the GOP obviously has an advantage when it comes to winning elections. Um, but I mean, like a libertarian party with Dave Smith or someone as its presidential nominee, or even not even that, but uh, just a libertarian party that sends out fire tweets on Twitter, like, I think that there's a lot of value to that, and you can expose a lot of people to actual libertarianism, and you look at what Ron Paul was able to do. Ron Paul was fucking uh, hardcore whenever he was running for president. Like, he gave it straight, and he converted a lot of people that way. The Libertarian Party would basically act like Ron Paul under those circumstances. At the same time, like, I think that the GOP has an advantage when it comes to actually winning things. Um I think that it is objectively true that red states are preferable to blue states. Like I live in Missouri and Missouri is awesome. I'm much happier living here than I would be in like California or New York or somewhere like that. Um, I think Florida is a little bit overhyped because Florida is basically one governor race away from turning bad. But I mean, still, I think that red states are preferable to blue states. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I see merits to both sides. Whenever I first came out of the scene, I was part of the Mises Caucus, but I did leave the Libertarian Party. I still like all the Mises Caucus guys. Like, those are my people. I just, I'm really not interested in being involved politically. Um, obviously, I talk about politics, but like being involved in party politics, like just isn't something that really interests me. Yeah, you know, I can't really blame you because sometimes it is, it, when you go to these conventions and you have to go to the meetings, sometimes it is like banging your head against a fucking wall. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Florida and that you said they're one governor's race away from, you know, seeing issues, if you are something to that degree. Um, I've posed this question to some of the GOP guys, and it's a question that kind of needs addressed because it is true. We, you know, they are one governor away from being, <laughs> you know, California or being New York and, when I asked Tho this, and I'm sure he would have a more in-depth answer if I pressed him on it, so I don't want to speak for him, but he basically said, well, our solution is don't lose. Well, <laughs> you could say don't lose, but that's like saying, you know, well, just don't let a non-libertarian become president. Well, that's not always a guaranteed thing, and as you could see, that hasn't worked <laughs> at all. So um, it is a big question of, you know, what to do, because the state isn't getting any smaller. Um, you know, we can celebrate the fact that the Afghanistan war is over, but, you know, now the war on terror seemingly is being turned inwards and vaccine passports are being floated out. And then you have literal libertarians or people who call themselves libertarians um, saying how they can justify vaccine passports on that ground. So uh, do you see any optimism out there or do you think all is lost? I, I feel pretty optimistic about most things, but uh, you know, how do you feel about that? Uh, I am completely optimistic about everything. So like, I think everything's gonna be just fine. I mean, uh, maybe not just fine, 
but uh, I don't think that we're going to be living in a COVID pandemic forever. I think that people are going to get tired of it. I think that people are already getting tired of it. Uh, you hear like the let's go Brandon chants all over the country. And, you know, before that, people were explicitly saying fuck Joe Biden all over the country. Uh, I think that, you know, shenanigans aside, the Republicans at the rate that they're going now are going to completely sweep up the uh, next election next year. Um, and I think that it is something important, and this is kind of where the GOP strategy comes in, that Republican voters in all of these states like have to keep pushing, like we are not tolerating any of this fucking COVID stuff anymore. Um, and I mean, the Democrats, if they get punched in the mouth, or I don't know if that's the right ex expression, but if they get completely destroyed and like everyone's gonna know it's because of the COVID stuff, I think maybe that will make them back off. Um, but you look at just states, like taking a stand all sorts of stuff, like Missouri, uh, takes a stand against gun laws and all the COVID stuff. And I mean, I think that things will probably continue to get worse in blue states. And I think that it is a matter of migration, but among the people who, you know, value liberty, I think that it is still pretty easy to live a free life. And I think that those tools are still there and they will still be there. I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to turn to Australia or somewhere like that. Yeah, I really don't think so either. Um, and kind of tapping on what you said there, I am optimistic for 2022, 2024. Um, the only problem is, and this gets pretty grandiose, but, you know, objectively, yes, the right tends to be better on most stuff than the left. But the falls of Trumpism were the protectionism, right? The tariffs, which fell 94% on American consumers. Um, this escalating tensions with China when they're like the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world other than the US. Um, you know, the want to go to war with Iran, who pretty much ran Paul was the only one to stop that. Um, granted, those things don't hugely fall on American people. Yes, they do to a degree, but not quite as severe as Democrats do. Um, and obviously, the downstream consequences could eventually fall on us. That's not to say that there's no consequences. You, you get what I'm saying. Um, I sometimes get worried about this GOP path because the GOP guys kind of have to, I don't want to say make concessions or apologize for that, but it's kind of like, well, we're just going to use them as useful idiots. But the problem is those useful idiots have more political capital than libertarians do and you don't see a lot of libertarians convincing many of the gop guys to be less hawkish on china or you know better on trade or anything like that so that's kind of where i see issues with the gop route and i'm sure you share the same sentiment but it's it's so tough to say but i am still optimistic regardless because i believe that in 2022, 2024, if the libertarians are loud enough, and if we start getting our messaging together and right, and you can tell Republicans, look, if you don't want to lose every single election from here on out, you better start being good on these issues, because I'll throw my name behind you if you're going to be a libertarian, but if you're not going to be a libertarian, but <laughs> once again, the consequence of that is that you get blue people in, so, you know, it's, it's like a mixed bag, man, it's, it's tough to say. Yeah, there's this uh, guy, Kurt, Checkmate State, and uh, he's pretty big. He's like 20,000 followers on Twitter. I really like Kurt. Um, okay. And uh, he has a strategy, which is basically, I think he called it like guerrilla libertarianism, like spelled like guerrilla warfare. Sure. Um, and his whole thing was like, 
in battleground states, let's have the Libertarian Party like basically hold them to hostage and say like, we're the swing vote. And uh, if you want us to vote for you, like you need to satisfy us. And uh, I'm not sure the feasibility of that, but I mean, there are people who want to use the idea of if we don't vote for red, we're going to get blue. There are people who want to use that specifically to our advantage. And I think that it's an interesting idea. He wrote about that over a year ago now. So, I mean, I'm kind of fuzzy on the exact details and all of it, but um, yeah. And I mean, um, I do think that red states are generally better than blue states. I mean, obviously Republicans aren't better on everything, like with trade protectionism. So with Murray Rothbard and the original paleo strategy back in the day with Pat Buchanan, um, which was kind of like the whole Ross Perot thing. Um, it basically was like, hey, we agree on war. Uh, we agree on all of this domestic stuff. Um, the one thing that we kind of have to look past is economics. Like y'all are for trade protectionism, I for free trade. But um, I mean, if they nail it on everything else, I think that it's easy to look past the economic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with the left, you're still going to have bad economic policies. It may just be in a different way. Yeah. I mean, when you have the left, you're going to get $2 trillion stimulus packages, which I mean, you also got with Trump, but um, I think either way, you're going to be screwed on the economics. So I think that if they are good on war and they're good on like domestic policy, like if they're good on war and they're good on the COVID stuff, like I, frankly, I wouldn't care what else the Republicans support. Like those are the two things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree because, you know, as much as I hate to say it, DeSantis is a neocon, essentially a Zionist. I mean, he's pretty much a horde Republican, but no one could argue that Florida was the freest state in the union. (laughs) And there's a reason why they always say it's the free state of Florida, because, well, to be fair, everybody else was locked in their homes. And that Zionist neocon down there did give his people freedom. And there's definitely something to that. Yeah, well, I mean, the New Hampshire people will argue with you about that. Like, uh, they, uh, they'll they they'll tell you about how free New Hampshire is, which, I mean, to be honest, like, I think they have a pretty good point. Like, everyone's counter-argument to them is always like, well, it's cold, so I'm not going to move there. I'd rather move to sunny Florida. What did uh, – I was listening to uh, Justin O'Donnell on a uh, show, and he said if all that's stopping you from freedom is a jacket, then we got bigger problems. It was something to that degree. But exactly. – um it's i really don't know much about the new hampshire deal um i do like that idea of the free state where you centralize a lot of libertarians and then you kind of get those people in power it seems like it's working up there i i don't know that much about it but um it, it seems to have worked out in their favor i've listened to jerry call or jeremy kaufman on a few different shows and um he makes a compelling argument and it seems like they kind of got the right stuff going on there so you know, maybe that is one of the ways. And then when you see something like that happen, um, maybe it cascades to the rest of the country and people kind of feel the same way. Do you think that's possible though? If, you know, let's say the free state project works out to, you know, not necessarily in Kapistan, but as close as we're going to get in any time, you know, soon, do you think that could kind of cause a chain reaction, start making other states kind of look the same way? No. Um, and I don't think it's really intended to, like, I think it's just supposed to be like, hey, we're New Hampshire, we're this libertarian state, like, this is all we need. That's all that they really want. Like, uh, Jeremy is my boss. So like, he's told me all about all of the free state stuff. Um, and, you know, he makes a compelling argument. But I mean, libertarians don't need, and his whole thing is like, libertarians don't need to be like, 
taking over the country nationally. Like we don't need like, hey, let's get 51% of the country to be libertarian. Like we don't need that. Um, if we just have like our little sliver of land in this state, New Hampshire, or, like anywhere else, uh, and like the rest of the country is turning tyrannical, we can just move there. Like that's all that you need. You don't need them. The majority of people will never be libertarian. Uh, libertarians don't need the majority of people to be libertarians to succeed. So I think that, yeah, the, the Free State Project, I think pragmatically is probably like the most effective way of achieving liberty. Um, but it is just that it's in a very small localized space. And whereas you may want to try to go after liberty across a wider area, whether or not it's possible to do that through the LP or the GOP, I don't really know. But I know that locally in a small state like New Hampshire, I think that they're proving it is 100% possible. Right. And that's very, very encouraging to hear. Um, kind of shifting gears there, you mentioned uh, Jeremy and that whole deal. Um, at first, when I heard about this whole New Hampshire deal, I kind of thought, well, you probably should be saying that on a official Twitter. And I still kind of go back and forth on this. But looking back now, you know, that was what, probably like six months ago or so, maybe yeah. longer than that. Um, it exposed a lot of people for bad faith actors. And it's kind of funny how like the Libertarian Party almost purged itself from someone just saying some shit that some people might consider mean, but you know, there's always a little bit of truth behind that just kidding. You know what I mean? So uh, do you think that you can say really fucked up kind of stuff and turn people over because like I said, I've gone back and forth on this, but it seems like shit posting sometimes works. I was never a believer of it, but I'm, yeah. you know. So, I mean, there were two, like people conflate. So there was shit posting from the LPNH account. Like they tweeted something about John McCain's tumor. Like there was shit posting, but also <laughs> I think what drove even more like controversy was they tweeted repeal the civil rights act. Uh, and then another tweet, they uh, tweeted repeal child labor laws. Which, I mean, these are two positions that, yeah, to be quite honest, like I completely agree with. Those are the libertarian positions. Gary the Johnson is, came out against that, which is pretty Yeah, funny. Gary Johnson is a fucking idiot. Um, yeah, which, uh, I mean, those are two positions that I completely agree with. The question is whether right. or not a libertarian state party account should be tweeting that, which I know that Dave Smith wasn't really happy with. Um, and, you know, all the pragmatic people were really happy with because they like to hide what libertarians truly believe. But um I think a large part of it is just to shift the Overton window of conversation. Because if you have the crazy libertarians over here saying like repeal child labor laws, then all of a sudden uh, these more moderate libertarians who are saying like, hey, I just want school choice. I mean, I think that, you know, whatever. All of a sudden they don't seem so crazy. And it's like, we can settle for this. And if in New Hampshire, the libertarian party is doing all this crazy stuff, that makes, I think the Republicans shift more to the right, more to, um, being for liberty. And I mean, they say, like, I've heard Justin O'Donnell say that there are Republican candidates now who say taxation is theft in New Hampshire. Um, so I think that's the main part of it is just shifting the Overton window. Part of it is also this idea that do we want a lot of people who are like, okay, libertarians, or do we want like a few people who are awesome libertarians? And I think Jeremy leans on the side of the latter that we want less people, but of those people, we want them to all be awesome. And I mean, if you are just tweeting wildly radical stuff, you are going to filter out 
people who may have otherwise kind of agreed with you been like Gary Johnson supporters, but really when it comes down to it, like they're just leftists who like guns or whatever. Um, so I think that is part of it. I think that it does turn a lot of people off. I think that's partly intentional. I think that, but I mean, there are also, there are a lot of people who see repealed child labor laws who are like, yeah, I worked whenever I was a 10 year old and it was the best thing that ever happened for me. Like there's a lot of people who completely agree with it. And mm -hmm. I think that, and yeah, I think that it's better to be honest about what we believe than try to like tiptoe and like hide our more radical views. Um, and I think that that's something true, like nationally, like whenever you're trying to reach out to a large number of people, uh, I mean, personally, like if you're just talking one-on-one -on -one with someone, I think that you may want to be more delicate. Uh, but whenever you're talking to people like at large, I think that it makes total sense to do that. Right. And this kind of goes back to the guerrilla libertarian approach or uh, however it was phrased. Um, yeah. When you have someone like Dave Smith, let's say running for president, then if they are starting to seem like a threat. So look at like Shane Hazel, right? Where every single person in the Republican Party was pretty much knocking on his door to get his endorsement for David Perdue. And it's not even like he was going to he, he didn't even campaign, he didn't spend a dime, but he got 113,000 votes, and that was enough to get Rand Paul and Mike Lee on the phone. You don't think there's something to that? So, you know, this, you know, to tell Republicans essentially, like, hey, this is what you got to do, this is how you got to talk, this is how you got to be, you got to live up to it. There's something powerful to that. And if you do have somebody saying radical shit, then, you know, maybe you could pull Republicans more towards our direction. And then maybe the GOP won't be so disgusting like it is now. And then maybe you can even shift the Democrats. Maybe you could start getting them to be a little bit more bold about, um, you know, civil liberties or uh, drug laws because they're not even good on that anymore. And they're not even that good on war. So, you know, if the Overton window can be shifted by radical messaging, then by all means, I'm all for it. And if that is done via shit posting, then <laughs> it's not exactly the way that I envisioned it happening or the way that I thought it could happen, but I'm not entirely against it. Yeah. And I mean, New Hampshire, like that is like the perfect place for that strategy because libertarians are the swing vote. And like all of the politicians know, like these crazy libertarians are the swing vote. So we have to try to appeal to them. And uh, that's why you get Republican politicians saying taxation is theft. And uh, that's why you have, you know, all of these laws getting repealed and like all of this freedom in New Hampshire. Um, because libertarians are the swing vote and libertarians still are not that big of a population in New Hampshire. They're just enough to make a difference. So that's more evidence that you don't need like a lot of people. You just need enough. Like you don't need a majority. You just need an, a sizable minority which uh, I think that there may be like 10% of the population of New Hampshire, maybe not even that much. And uh, they're still making that big of an impact, which is why they push for even more people to move to New Hampshire, because if they got like 20% or 30%, they could completely run the state. Um, and I mean, they could freaking secede from the union probably if they wanted to. Um, and I mean, that's something that the GOP strategy that though, pushes. I mean, that's more effective in New Hampshire. Everything is more effective in New Hampshire. The Mises caucus, the GOP strategy, everything is more effective in New Hampshire because of the concentration of libertarians. Right, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so you made a video on Lulberts, which, <laughs> so to give a little background, I never thought there were like left libertarians, right? So I kind of came in to understanding libertarianism through like Stefan Molyneux and Eric July, 
way back in like 2013 ish, maybe a little bit later than that. But I remember seeing Eric July years ago tweeting about left libertarians or saying something about left libertarians. I'm like, who the fuck are like, who are left libertarians? I don't know any of these left libertarians. And it wasn't literally until last year that I realized like, oh, they're like actually people who are left libertarians. Um, And I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, but it's like these people are are an embarrassment and it's really frustrating because we have this sound political philosophy and ideology that can answer a lot of the questions that people have but you see these blue check marks like eric weinstein or brett one of them saying oh there's libertarians that are saying we're okay with vaccine mandates they're top libertarians and I, I kind of just want to like grab these people and slap them and say, these are not the leaders of libertarianism. These people are very, very piss poor, basically straw mans of libertarianism. You know, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Eric July, um, Scott Horton, all these people are solid on all of these issues. But for some reason, they'll look past them and then look at these people who have like, you know, 300 followers, Archie Flowers or Nick Sorwark and say that they represent libertarianism, but they'll completely ignore the liberty movement as a whole. Um, it's just so frustrating that for some reason you'll miss the people with the way bigger following, but you'll concentrate on the ones who nobody cares about, nobody talks about. Yeah, and I mean, um, this is something that I haven't really done a good job of differentiating in the past, and I mean, it is something that gets mixed up, but I mean that there are three camps of these types of libertarians. So there are like left libertarians, and they all overlap. They all overlap. Yeah. So there are like left libertarians who, you know, like a Gary Chartier or a Roderick Long, who think that, you know, absent government, people would organize into more horizontal structures rather than hierarchical. So they think that there would be more worker co-ops or it'd be less hierarchy just in general. Um, and those people like Gary Chartier, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. So like stuff like that, I have no problem with. Like if you're for free markets and you just think that things are going to be different than a all the right libertarians think that, I mean, whatever, like, however it works out, I'm fine with that. Um, so you have them, then you have woke libertarians, which are like right libertarians who also care about all the woke stuff. So like, if you say an off-color joke, I mean, they will just lose their minds. Um, so, I mean, you think of like SJWs, they are libertarian SJWs. Um, then along with them, and then th- that category and the next category overlap a lot. Then you have the regime libertarians. And these are people who work in Washington, D.C., and they are trying to be part of the regime. Um, So I think of people who work at Reason. I think of people who work for the Cato Institute. Um, They are trying to be respected by all of these politicians and all of these uh, other institutions who absolutely hate everything that I stand for and hate me personally. Uh, They want to sit at the table with them. And someone like Dave Smith coming along and saying all this radical libertarian stuff is a threat to them because their whole thing is like, no, we're libertarians. We're just totally normal like you guys. We just want, you know, lower taxes and uh, whatever. We're not crazy anarchists or anything like that. That's their whole shtick. Uh, They just want to be like, we're just like you guys. We're one of the cool kids. Um, So they feel completely threatened whenever someone like Dave Smith or Tom Woods comes along. Um, which, you know, they're completely worth it. It's like whenever you're at a dinner with family and there's like the adult table and there's like the kid table. Um, there are the kids at the kid table 
Um, another analogy I've heard is that they're at the dinner table and they'll like say something and like everyone's like, oh, okay, but they don't really listen to them, but they're just happy to be at the table, um, which is why all of these people acknowledge these types of libertarians, like they are useful for the government. People will use this in, argue, in arguing, like there was a John Stossel segment years ago where he was talking about welfare and someone brought up, well, even Milton Friedman believed in a negative income tax and he's Mr. Libertarian. Like that's the position that they serve because whenever you have like, oh, all these normal libertarians and then you ANCAPs, you guys are the real crazy ones. They're way out there, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, it serves to discredit the rest of us. And I mean, because they are embedded in this Washington DC culture, that's why they are always mentioned um, and why they're always looked at as like the respectable libertarians and not someone like Dave Smith, who is just a stand-up comedian or someone, or really anyone at the Mises Institute who are like hardcore anti-establishment. Mm -hmm. um, if Cato and Reason actually were threats to anything, they would be viewed with as much hatred as the Mises Institute. Right, they would be called racists, and you know, yeah. they'd be labeled as terrorists by the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, something like that. And until you know the Mises Caucus is viewed like that, then we're still not big enough. <laughs> At least that's yeah, the way I, I see it. Reason Magazine published, or maybe it was David Bowes from Cato, but one of them published some article about how the Mises Caucus were a bunch of like racist alt writers. Like another libertarian magazine said this. I mean, they're just crazy. Like they're just, they're desperate to have um, clout with the establishment and they will freaking throw anyone else under the bus who doesn't really care about that and actually wants to make a difference in the world. Yeah, it's like, you would think as a fellow traveler, if you consider yourself a libertarian, why would you want to be respected by the people who are completely antithetical to your ideals? Like, like you said earlier, these people literally hate you. They hate everything about how you see the world and you want to, you know, be respected by them. You want to, what's, what's your goal at the end of the day? Is your goal just to have a libertarian as president or is your goal actual liberty? I think that's where the divide comes down. And I've said this many, many times before, I have no party loyalty. If the GOP serves as a better vehicle and is going to get us to greater liberty, then by all means, call me Dick Cheney in the fucking movement. Not, not literally, I'm being, facetious. <laughs> I'm being facetious before anyone freaks out. But um, if the Libertarian Party is good at getting us to liberty, then I'm all behind that too. I don't care if you know we have a Libertarian governor here in Pennsylvania. I don't. If if this person is running as a Democrat, but they're a complete living and breathing libertarian, principled libertarian, I don't care, but obviously they're not going to be, but that's uh, kind of what it seems like these Beltway, Reason, Cato, woke libertarians want, is that they'll elect anybody just as long as they got an L next to their name, which I think is a losing strategy, because it kind of goes back to the GOP strategy is that you end up carrying water for some really, really bad people, if that's all you care about, is just your guide, your title. Yeah, so they use the slogan a lot in the duopoly, and, uh, you know, voting for the lesser of two evils is still evil, which, you know, I completely agree with all of that. I think the duopoly in and of itself isn't really a goal. Like, sure, you don't just want two parties, but you want the third party to actually be good. Like, just having a third option that also sucks, like, that by itself doesn't really do anything. And I mean, okay, sure, like, Gary Johnson get a, gets elected. I mean, sure, he's better than Hillary and Trump. Like, 
say Gary Johnson actually had a chance of winning, I mean, sure, that would be preferable to everything else. Um, I still think under Gary Johnson, we would have had all of this COVID shit because he is completely spineless. Um, But I mean, the Libertarian Party should be the party of libertarians, not the party of we're we're better than Democrats and we're better than Republicans, like on the margins, or like the party of socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Like that's not what the Libertarian Party should be. It should be the party of libertarians. Right. And for some reason, some people would find that to be an abhorrent statement. And I kind of like Larry Sharp's approach because he kind of says, you know, I want everybody. I want everybody as long as they're going to, you know, help grow the movement. And yeah, he is a little bit of a partisan guy. And I hate to use that word because that kind of has like a negative connotation to it. But he's not about throwing anybody out. He does sincerely want libertarianism to get spread and he wants human liberty because he says all the time that oh well i'll put my name here in the republican party and the democrat party and the libertarian party so that way everybody sees their name um we've been going for a little bit here um i try to end the show on an optimistic note so i know we kind of tapped on it earlier but um you know what kind of makes you optimistic for the future and do you think we should remain optimistic I mean, to be honest, what makes me optimistic for the future, like I am a very, uh, I'm a fan of Ayn Rand to say the least. So uh, what makes me optimistic for the future, like uh, I'll be honest, is just my own personal life. Like I'm focused about my life and doing my thing. Like, uh, and I mean, things for me, like I'm looking around here, like things are pretty good. Uh, There's nothing like I'm not being barged in on the government at every second of the day. Um, I think that people are going to get tired of all the COVID stuff. I think that a large part of it is just geographical and where you live. Um, But I mean, with everything, like I wouldn't place optimism just on politics. Like I would be optimistic about the things that you have going on in your personal life. So like, I mean, I work an awesome job. I have a, I live in a nice area. Like, you know, my life's pretty good. And I think for anyone else, like if you base your entire happiness off of, you know, your likes on Twitter or like whatever's happening in the Libertarian Party, I mean, just to step back for a little bit and zoom out. And I think look at the bigger picture and look at things in your personal life. I think that's a really, really good note to uh, kind of end it on. I completely agree. Um, my fiance and I are getting married later this year. Um, I'm go. trying to <laughs> regrow my head of hair. We'll see how that <laughs> goes. Um, I'm hoping that I can kind of lean down and get super shredded for our wedding. And, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking that 2022 is going to be a really, really, really good year. And by the sounds of it, uh, it seems like you're kind of in the same headspace. So, uh, Drew, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you and we'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, which uh, you can just search my name, Drew Hancock. Um, same thing, I'm on YouTube, but I would prefer you watch me on Odyssey, which is odyse.com. Even if you don't follow me on Odyssey, just go to odyssey.com. It's like the best website ever invented. Um, then I'm on Instagram too, which, you know, I posted a picture of a dog the other day which was pretty cool um but i think that is it yeah cool cool good shit well i'm planning on getting my stuff on odyssey here uh asap i did have a video taken down off youtube for bullshit policies so (laughs) that's what it's all about yeah for sure (laughs) all right everybody this was in liberty and health i appreciate everybody watching and until next time take care